you know, things may have happened in the past to us, um, around us, that may alter who we are fundamentally. But, you know, that resilience factor is so important where we push through, you know, we keep going. This is Katie. And I'm Laura. And welcome to the Radical Resilience Podcast. Hi, Laura. Hey, Katie. How are you? Crazy. So where I find myself is that I just have to honor that there's been a lot going on. A lot of it has been really big emotional stuff that even though like when I take a step back from it all, I'm like, everything is okay. Right? Wait, did you get engaged? No. Okay. <laughs> I just am so worried that Josh didn't run it by me and that I didn't know. And then it was on Facebook and I've been looking at it. I've been so then when you said big and emotional, I was like, oh my God, I just didn't no, want to My mom, no, my mom had surgery for um, stage zero breast cancer, which is like, in and of like, it feels like it should be like a no biggie, right? Because it's a hundred percent cure rate, which we knew from like the first appointment, she doesn't carry the gene for breast cancer. She like pulled through the surgery, like a champ. She did a great job. And, but like, but it's still someone you love having to go through something. Yeah. Having a big surgery and like us having to step up as a family to facilitate that happening and to make sure that she felt comfortable and confident. And like, you know, we had to do a week of, of quarantining during COVID to like go and, you know, have all the COVID tests and everything. And then to be able to go to be in the house to support her and support my dad who has Alzheimer's, who can't be alone in the house. And I, I guess I didn't anticipate what a disruption it would be for him to not have her in the house all day, like left on his own. He wouldn't even remember that she had the surgery or that anything was wrong. But like for a day and a half, even after she came home, he was like distraught. Right. And so just managing his emotions throughout the the time that we were there being in a house where I've been like basically just me and Josh for he counted 302 days and, and then to go into like, to go into a house with mom, dad, surgery, sister, nephew, you know, my nephew is six because it was really not like it took, it took all of us to pull this off right for a week. And then to be just bone tired from all of that, plus still managing my job, plus still managing this leadership course that I'm in, you know, like just like managing it all in this course of a week. And then the guilt that I felt leaving, you know, like there was a miscommunication. There was an expectation that I was going to stay like a whole entire week longer than what I had planned on staying and like managing that so that we're still team family. And then my mom still felt cared for and, and that she still felt like we had her back and that everything was going to be okay. Making arrangements to drive back to like handle all the heavy lifting in the house. Then her washer broke like the day after my sister and I left and it flooded the basement. Like I'm telling you, there was so much going on. And then it wasn't like I came home and like, just could chill out. Like I came home because I had three work days in a row that were like 10 in the morning until 10 at night kind of days or later. And so it would have made sense. Even like if I had been at the house with her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been available. So like, so was it, I'm just pooped, man. I am pooped. I am wrung out. I'm tired. I have, you know, I'm working really hard to just, I don't know, find moments for self-care within all of that, you know, making, making sure that I get good meals and like 
really honoring the things that are joyful about what I'm doing. So, you know, when a conversation goes really well or a meeting at work, like that, we're really celebrating that and being in the moment with it. Or like when I, like even being in this conversation with you right now, like just being present to being here and feeling how good it is to just get into flow, get it, you know, get excited about our guest. You know, I think that's how I'm flexing my resiliency muscle right now is like, how do you get through a time when things are coming at you rapid fire and there's a lot there? I think it is practicing everything I've learned about how to be in the moment and to see and celebrate the parts of all of this that are going really well. Well, I'm here. I'm here for you if you need anything. That's hard. I knew that you were there because Josh messaged me during the week. You were running like a online group for all his friends or something like a meetup because you guys couldn't meet in person. Did you do that? We did. We did. We had like a really fun. He set up a game night because he knew I was like super stressed. And as it turns out, it was on Wednesday, January 6th was the day that we did the game night, which honestly, I think couldn't have come at a better time for everybody that was on the call. Not just me, even though he organized it with me in mind and like, wow, Laura's had a hard week and she probably needs, you know, a little friend interaction to separate from family. But like, who knew that there would be like coup at the Capitol and that everyone on the call would need a little bit of friends, like friendship, a little bit of time away from the television, a little bit of like time away from the news to just be together, to laugh together, to um, say hi and look each other in the face and be like, are you okay? But you know, like we just, like it ended up being perfect. I wanted to be there, but I was with, and with the people that I knew from Poetry Live when I toured and that was the night I was meeting them. So I couldn't, but I was like, I'll try. But I thought it was so nice that he reached out. Team Josh. Team Josh. So tell me what's in your space, Katie? Like, I don't even know if it's how did you sleep last night? I mean, it, let's just like, what's what's up? I am currently at my parents' house. I left California for good. Well, for now, for good. Um, but I actually thought I was going to miss it. And I think what I, it's not that I don't miss it, but I think everything I thought I would miss, I don't. You know, like the parts, like I made so many parts of it something that they weren't. And so that became really clear. And then driving, it was just crazy. Like in the middle of Texas on a highway, we get stuck in a 17-hour delay backup on the highway, just dead stop because there's all these accidents. It was a freak snowstorm. There was feet of snow. We let the dogs out. We were just running alongside the car. So for the, the holdup was 17 hours for the cars in the front. I luckily was only part of it for five and a half hours. Um, which was still a long time, it felt like. But to play in the snow, like to leave California and then be like, well, I'm not going to see, I'm going to go the most Southern route on 10. So I hit no winter weather. And then to be in a freak snowstorm on a highway in Texas was like <laughs> crazy. And then, um, you know, drove those states and then stopped in Pensacola, Florida. And then I think it's like Navarra Beach or something. There, Mexico Beach was where I used to perform a ton. So I wanted to go there, but it was 100 miles away. But I went to that place and it was just, um, it said like the calmest or the most relaxing beach in Florida or something. And it was, but it was, it was beautiful. And I had a good time there and then drove to Asheville and like fell so madly in love with Asheville. Like uh, it, it was cold and I was outside from the minute I woke up no joke, because there was a swing in a tree outside. So that was a huge part of it. Um, unlike an adult swing. 
not like a sex swing, like just a normal adult <laughs> swing. I just was on it and I could reach the chuck it to the ground so I could throw the ball for Obi. Reb just sat in front of me while I was swinging and I would just rub him every time I went forward and back. And so we all, we all were living our best life. And I actually was still on it at nine at night and I got out there at 7.15 and I don't think I have exposed, like if I'm here, my family says, do you want to go for a walk? Prior to owning the dogs uh, or having them as my family, I wouldn't, I would have said no every winter my whole life. And I was out there the whole time and I loved it. And then it with the weather, it's just, it's such a mild winter there. And it was so sunny and the sun took away. And I was like, oh, this isn't like, I don't feel the seasonal depression. I don't feel like, I mean, I know I wasn't there super long, but like to be there in January and have it be, you know, 48, 40 something when I wake up and then 58 in the day. And then, you know, like, and then still at night cold. And I did run out and get gloves and stuff because I didn't have a hat or gloves. So I did run to Coles, but it was, yeah, I was in love with it. And now I'm here in New England and um, and I really love Asheville. I also love North Carolina. I think it is, uh, there's so much, there's so much there. And there's so, there's a lot of lifestyle factors that come into play in a place like North Carolina that are extremely appealing to me as an outdoorsy person, um, as like kind of a granola crunchy person. Sometimes there's lots of things about North Carolina that are appealing to me, but I, uh, if you need any tips on where to find that life here in Massachusetts, you let me know because you know that I'm your okay. girl when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> I will, which, which, so that like unique personality, that like eclectic soul and that free spirit and everything is exactly who we have as our guest today. Nice. Yeah. Which I can't wait for everyone to hear and get to just hear from some of her story and what she has to say um, and hopefully some special surprises for all of us. But our guest today is exactly what I'm looking for in different parts. Unfortunately, we live too far away from each other in California. Not super far, but traffic wise, really far. Um in California. So I didn't get to see her enough, but I'm so excited to get to talk to her in a few minutes. Yeah. So before we bring on Mary, we're going to take a quick break, tell you about some super fun projects that you can participate in with us. And when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to Mary Hamer. Life is always happening nonstop every moment. Things either feel as if they're coming together or they're falling apart. When you're on this wild ride, the falling apart moments can feel like the end of who you are. But with the proper skill set, these circumstances that break us down become the moments that awaken us, build our strength, and cause us to grow. To prepare your skill set, I created the Revolutionary Resiliency Course, challenging yourself to go within, dig deeper, make discoveries, and learn while being guided through the exercises in soul work. Together, we will build resilience that is not just radical, but revolutionary. Visit our website, RadicalResiliencePodcast.com to get started. I love you and I'll see you there. Mary is a mental health musician who believes everyone has the right to be seen, heard, loved, and understood. She writes, records, and performs songs primarily about mental health and abuse to help comfort others and help them connect with their true self. She is currently in the process of writing a book about the conflicts between traditional self-help and mental health and how the two often conflict. 
We couldn't think of a better guest to have on a day like this and a week like this. Welcome, Mary Hamer. Welcome, Mary. Hello. Hello, hello. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. She's been talking about it all day. I've been in meetings all day, but Katie has also been texting me. It does not prevent her from communicating with me. I'm like, that's that's Laura's business if she answers my messages or not. But I have freedom to express. That's right. Exactly. That's good. That's what I love. All about expression. So Mary, we're going to kick things off with a question that we ask all of our guests. And it is a question about the name of our podcast. So we intentionally named this podcast a little bit of Katie, a little bit of Laura, um, Radical Resilience. So I um, bring the radical with uh, uh, some projects that I have going. And Katie is, of course, the resiliency queen. But we really noticed that something kind of magical happens when you put the two words together. And radical you know, has multiple meanings and frame of reference for everybody. And uh, the same with resilience, it shows up differently for everyone. So we would love to have you just take a little time and share with us when you think of the words radical resilience, what is there for you? How does that land in your world, in your story? It definitely gives me like really warm feelings in my chest and just it just reminds me of, you know, this journey that I've been on and that so many of my listeners have uh, are on as well, where, you know, things may have happened in the past um, to us, um, around us, that may alter who we are fundamentally. But, you know, that resilience factor is so important where we push through, you know, we keep going and we can, um, actually have a song called we keep going (laughs) that this is reminding me of that, you know, that's, that's who we are. We may be, we may be lost. We may be, uh, we may feel broken, but we just keep going. And that radicalness, uh, I love that addition to it too, because it's just it's just saying, you know, push yourself a little bit, not to the breaking point, but like just just keep going, you know? Uh, well, so I have a question to get started. There was something that you wrote um, to me when we were just going back and forth about being a guest. And one of the things you said was uh, something that you believe is that everyone deserves to be seen, heard, loved, and understood from their past, present, or their future. So with such a book, like, I love that. That sits completely aligned with me. And I was just like, uh, I have so much to say about that. But what in your life, um, like if you were to go back or just share, you know, like a brief part of it, what leads someone to be, make such a powerful, unconditionally loving and powerful statement and mission in life like that? Like what how can we get a glimpse of who Mary is and what you went through that would lead you to that being something that you stand for? There's a lot of my life in which I did not feel that. I did not feel like I was heard or understood or loved, you know, and, and yes, I did feel love and, and from, from certain places, but um, you know, there were some people in my life that, was supposed to be people that I look up to and people that were supposed to be there to love me and to show me unconditional understanding and love and all this stuff where that was not the case. And so going through trauma 
you know, in your life and feeling like you can't go to anybody, you can't, um, you can't express that, you know, and when you do, it's rejected. That's really difficult. And so was this starting when you were younger or is this like a, a awareness when you got older or did you just where, when like, where about did you start feeling that or noticing that, that you, you know, if you spoke up, it kind of went, went into a empty room. Uh, when I was younger. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did have uh, some people in my life that would gaslight me. Um, and essentially gaslighting is where um, it's, a, it's a form of psychological abuse where the perpetrator will make the victim feel as though they should doubt their own thoughts. And that, you know, it's like saying like, oh, you're crazy or you're too sensitive or, you know, that never happened. This is or or even, you know, when you go to somebody and you say, this is why I did X, Y and Z. And they turn around and say, no, you didn't. You did it because of this. And they try to make you believe in their lies instead of your own intentions. So, yeah. Um, and I actually, I actually wrote a song about it. I know. And it's so good. And we are going to, uh, we're going to share it with you guys uh, because Mary, um, I really get that you, you speak through music and that is, it's a powerful art and it's a powerful medium for communication. And so why don't we like, before we go any further, I just really want to share it with our audience. Um, so they get a taste of how it is that you are, are showing up in the world. And will you just tell us a little bit, this song that we, that we are going to play for the listeners is about gaslighting, which you were just speaking on, correct? Right. Yeah. The song itself is called Gaslight and yeah, it is from the point of view of the victim. Awesome. You want to play it, Lar? Yes. My perceptions are wrong, your deceptions are right. You look so good in the gaslight. You say I don't know how hard it has been for you to put up with me. You say I've got too sensitive skin. Guess I'll never be free.
my perceptions are wrong, your deceptions are right. You look so good in the gaslight, master of words and all things you see. Nothing can touch you. Oh my God, that last line. Oh, I felt that one. Yeah. But that last line. I have a question about that. So, from hearing that song and hearing what you shared before, so like from not, from not thinking that your voice had any impact or power or like was able to be heard, when did you know that you were musically gifted? Like to, to have that, to have that outlet. Cause like, how long were you holding all of that in? Cause you know, like, cause I, for me, resiliency was once I started sharing, once I started sharing and didn't have shame and didn't have denial and didn't live all these things to like pretend I was something else. I was set free and all the people around me that still live that way. I can see the difference. I can see how freeing it is. And I would, I mean, just listening to you do that. And I've seen you and your band play live. I'm just mind blown. And how did you like, when were you able to then take everything that you was internalizing and have that? Cause what a freaking gift for you to be gifted musically to have that way to speak. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So when I actually started playing music all together, when I was about 12, I started playing piano. Um, I, I sang all my life, but when I actually found out that like I could use my voice to express myself, um, I think I was about 17 in college and I wrote one song that I didn't want to show anybody. And I, I showed it to my boyfriend, now husband. Um, and he's like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so good. And so we formed a band uh, called Sigma Project. Uh, and it was a symphonic metal band where I did, we kind of meshed symphonic music uh, and opera kind of stuff with metal and made a nice little marriage. That was one song that I did. And I didn't, I don't think I wrote any more songs like that until I moved from the Central Valley to San Diego. Uh, And then in the San Diego area, I just, I don't know if something happened being that far away from everything that I was used to, that I was able to break out of that mold. And I was able to access a lot of different feelings and emotions that I didn't have access to prior to that. And I started just writing all kinds of songs about 
about everything that I had been through and all the feelings that I was having. And then it was a few years ago when I realized that that was my mission and in life is to bring that to other people and to show other people that they're not alone, that, um, that it's okay to not be okay. And that, um, and that they can go through it. And, and like I was saying earlier, keep going. I am curious. I, it's very clear, you know, as we were saying that you have learned to really speak and share your transformative moments through song, but I would love to know your story, you know, and I'm sure that our listeners are just aching to kind of get a little peek behind the curtain here. What was it that you got distance from when you moved and, and can you share a little bit about that? Uh, sure. So, um, I have uh, bipolar disorder, ADHD, and uh, PTSD. And my PTSD is from uh, prior abuse. And that is both uh, physical and sexual. Childhood? Yeah, from childhood. And I, at one point, had confided in somebody in my family that it was going on. And they essentially kind of brushed me off. And so I did not come forward again about it till, you know, I was an adult and, and, uh, I, I had severe issues when I got married as well in that, um, my husband and I weren't able to be intimate with one another. Um, there was a lot of pain involved with that, like both emotionally and physically. And so I, was like, okay, well, you know, I, I knew what was wrong and it was something that I had consciously told myself, okay, you know, when, when the worst of the abuse happened, I thought, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about this until I, you know, get married. Cause we, we waited till marriage, which is like, I know unheard of, but <laughs> Um, you know, when it, and then it came flooding back to me on our, um, in our anniversary, not anniversary, (laughs) wedding night and everything. So a a very good friend of ours, um, actually used part of their tithing money to help me afford to see a therapist. Mm. Wow. That's a good friend. Yes, absolutely. What they did was they took their tithing and they separated it into thirds. And one uh, one third went to uh, their church, one third went to education and furthering themselves, and another third went to helping someone else. And that was me during that time. I would imagine that like having that come up with your husband is a whole nother, you know, so there's a healing of of abuse, emotional and sexual and stuff like that. And then there's the element of you seeing the ripple effect if it's not taken care of. So now it's affecting someone that you, you love. And there has to be an, uh, there definitely had to be a journey of resiliency for you to be there, allow him to be there or for you to, you know, like be willing to do the work because I can tell you, it's really easy to push people away <laughs> from my own experience. Yeah. So what, what happened there or like, how did you confront it? Whether, you know, through the therapy or, or other elements that, that you took on, where you were able to allow your husband to join you on that process? Well, my husband actually is like incredibly uh, patient and intuitive 
and gentle and generous. And so I really lucked out when I married him because he's just the sweetest guy I've ever known. And we were best friends. And so that that really helped. But there was a long time where, you know, uh, we weren't able to be intimate uh, at all. And so, you know, just talking with him and making sure that he's okay, you know, and it's it's still to this day. I mean, we've been married what eighteen years, and it still um, it still comes up as as an issue every once in a while. Uh, so it's definitely a process and a long one at that. <laughs> Which I think is really good to rem- like li- remind the listeners too that it's not you don't just work on something and it's over like that. You know, these are parts of you, and yes, you can heal parts of your past, but like the whole thing you saying, like, you know, to learn to love and accept everything, the past, the present and the future, that is a part of you. And then even though you don't heal it, so it doesn't control you, there is, there's still an element of how it designed you. I mean, that's, that's undeniable. That is a part, you know, of who you were. Did you face any um, judgment from like your friends or family or his friends or family? Or did you ever hear people say, she has a lot going on, like, you know, this is too much or she has mental illness or anything like that. Did any of that come up? Because I would feel like that also if to the little girl inside you that didn't feel like it was okay to speak up. I feel like if people could have used language in ways that also reminded you of how hurtful words can be not being able to use your words. Yeah. um, My uh, part of my family is um, Scientologist. And so they don't believe in mental health issues and they don't believe in uh, taking medication for those mental health issues. And so when I came out uh, being like, well, I'm bipolar, I found this out, it was difficult. And I did hear, you know, some, well, no, you're not, you're, you know, and it was, it was like, trying to be helpful i understand and saying there's nothing wrong with you you're perfect you were born perfect you you still are perfect you know but it's still denying like a a, a certain part of me and then also because um i get a lot of judgment actually because i choose to still be in contact uh with the people that have abused me And that's an interesting one in itself because I am of the frame of mind that you can, you know, forgive, but not forget. And, you know, I'm not about to put myself into harm's way and I'm not about to put anyone else into harm's way, but, you know, I have forgiven the people that have done this and, and did you, did you forgive them in your heart and they never took responsibility or acknowledgement or did they also do that? Is this something that you're doing just for you or was, did you actually get to receive their apology? Uh, it's just for me. Yeah. So I have not, I haven't received an apology. And I think that's because, um, you know, narcissism is a heck of a thing and it prevents people from seeing their own mistakes um, and seeing their own tendencies as being wrong. And I understand that. 
I don't condone it. And I don't feel that, um, you know, I, I would like it not to be the case, but. That's incredibly strong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing in, in what you're saying is that you, you have boundaries that you feel more in control of now as an adult. And that when you look at your life and what is right for you and you consider all of your options, you are aware that it is an option for you to not have this person in your life. And you are aware that having them in your life is also dealing with their stuff, but that you know, you've know you grown into a position where you feel that you can create a sense of safety and that you have boundaries in place within that relationship, but they're different from what somebody else's boundaries might be. And someone else's healing process and path to resilience and path to moving forward might look different and that's fine, but it's also fine that your path looks the way that it does. And that for you, that boundary comes in stepping, being able to step back and say, am I safe? Am I comfortable? And if the answer is yes, then that satisfies the conditions for you and is your choice and it's your life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do have, um, the, the contact that I have, uh, is limited. So it's not, you know, it's not like all the time and, you know, we live in different States and, you know, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> like, like maybe if they were your neighbor, you might be making different choices. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. I'm curious, just because a lot of the stories of resiliency um, we've had on as guests aren't, I guess, don't touch on the the power of language as much. So like, you know, we've, we, Laura and I, and I don't know if you have, have done programs where it's taught that language is meaningless, but then there's also how freaking powerful language can be. So your song about gaslighting has just had this like in the back of my head where what someone can do so like, like ninja style, you know, like go in and just like how they beat you down and the things they say and how quickly like they, you know, and I'm sure there's some awareness on their side of what our weaknesses are to go at and, you know, to where to attack and how to break you down faster and stuff. So I'm just curious what your relationship is with language, because you here I am thinking when people use words that can be so like hurtful and stuff with gaslighting and remembering what I've gone through and how fast it is and how quickly they break down your self-worth with their words and their words and stuff. Because I remember thinking like, I wish I was physically abused and I'm not knocking or rating or, you know, putting into a, a rating of what's worse or better, the different kind of abuses. But like, I know to walk away from physical abuse. I know, you know, which I don't know because I'm not in a situation, but this is what I would say. Like, I know how to do it. But the the like ninja psychological abuse is terrifying to me because I am easily broken down um, just because of the journey I've had with self-hate and self-love and that whole and self-acceptance and stuff. So then you write these songs that use language and you heal and you change like people's lives with your music and what you do. I mean, I saw her at an event, Lara, where she, I don't know how many people there were, maybe 70 or something at this personal development kind of um, all day event. And she sang and it was just so powerful but then to know that the same tool that you're using to heal yourself and to change the world and to step into making everyone be more empowered is the same exact tool language that broke you down. And I'm just curious, what do you ever think about that? Like, do you ever connect those two or is that something that's not hit you? Because for me, I'm like, how, how incredibly resilient and how incredibly empowering to take what hurt you, turn it into the most powerful, loving 
intentional tool ever and, and change and shift everything. Because to me, I would be afraid, you're afraid of, you know, we're naturally afraid of what hurt us. But then you were also the girl that didn't, you know, know to use her voice or your voice became, you know, silenced. And so just to me, there's just so many different things. I don't know if you noticed that, Laura, like that connect where a gaslight narcissism attacks us with words. And then you were, you just like took all those words and then put them into beauty. I don't know if any of that hits, but I, to me, that's like a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, I actually have not thought about the fact that I'm using the same tools that um, were used against me to fight against those same systems of oppression and uh, like, you know, <laughs> but you know, what I have, what I have thought of is, is the fact that, you know, in the song that you heard Katie uh, a few years ago when you were at the event with me is that, you know, healing hearts heal healing hearts. And the song that I did then I believe was my song called broken arms which is that I may be broken myself, but I will hold you with broken arms. And you know what is striking me too, you know, Katie, with what you pointed out about the vehicle of words, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about this through the lens of being a musician myself, right? And one of the things that music does is it heightens the capacity for emotion with words, right? Um, and poetry, I think, which is what lyrics are, creates like a framework within within which we can examine the things that we feel in a way that that creates a little bit of a buffer between us and being able to just like say something, you know, directly, to be able to be vulnerable um, directly. Like we allow the the sounds, the music, the poetry to fill in that gap of vulnerability for us, and. A lot of times, like art, whether it's a painting or whether it's a song or whether it's a sculpture or whatever, it's a it's like this vehicle to express what what is hard to just say. Um, especially, you know, when I think about how young you were when you started with music and the, you know the age at which you were finally capable of writing your first song, and then to look at who you've grown into, you know, eighteen years later or however long it's been, um, I'm curious if being able to use words along with the, with that, that framework of music and lyrics and poetry has also helped you be able to just speak plainly, you know, without the music to just share your story is like, is that something that you could have ever done at 17 um, versus now? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I, it yeah, absolutely has been instrumental in that, you know, I would not, I couldn't even imagine, you know, speaking out uh, just, talking when, uh, about the abuse and everything when I was little, you know, or when I was a teenager at that time, I had a journal and I was writing frantically in my journal, crying to myself in the practice room, uh, you know, at the, of, of college. Cause I, I went into college at 16. So that's why I'm like, but, um, when I think about that, you know, that vulnerability gap, that music can help uh, fill in. I think about, you know, certain things that I've done in the music where it kind of, the music is saying one thing and I'm saying the other. And so 
like I'm saying the opposite and both together have a different meaning. So for example, in Gaslight, I say I'm quiet and shy now because I can't decide quite the right thing to say. But that line itself is the loudest I get in the entire song. And so it's like this quiet voice that is trying so much to scream out and to express themselves. Oh my gosh. And I felt it in that moment when I was listening to this song, I was like, ah, like I almost wanted to like my, what my feeling was like, I was actually having like a physical reaction where I wanted to just like stick up my middle fingers and be like, ah, like screw you. And like, that's like, that was because I have, I have had that feeling. Like when I was, I, I was, um, in an abusive relationship during college and was gaslit heavily in that relationship. And like, when that, like, I really feel that, mo- that moment of like, I don't know what to say because it seems like everything I say is crazy, but my whole being, even though it's being quiet is like screaming and screaming searching for like, you know, no, this is wrong. Like you feel it inside of you somewhere that like, you know, it's wrong, but it's so hard to articulate, but like, it's like every fiber of you is like making noise, even though the voice is like not saying anything. I felt it. I can laugh about it 20 years later, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you ever, and I'm asking also, because I know you're passionate about mental health, which is something I'm deeply passionate about. Um, so like when you get to those moments that you and Laura were just talking about and sharing, I feel like there, I, cause I've been there where you want to just scream so much and have it all. And you feel like your voice doesn't matter anymore. But, and I know that in my life I've experienced, but it didn't feel worth the fight anymore. Like I just felt like I, I was done. I was exhausted. I was over it. Is there any points? And I, cause I don't know enough about like bipolar disorder. I don't, you know, I don't, you know what they put on TV, which is obviously not, not necessarily like, you know, the scripts aren't approved by a psychologist and all that stuff. Did you ever have moments like that? Because what I think is so incredible um, for you, and it's not that you have a supportive husband because you have to be someone, your way of being has to be someone that he was in love with to stick around. So I still think that speaks volumes on you. It's not just because you you had a supportive husband, you got through it. I mean, that speaks volumes on who you were as a wife and showed up but does any of that come into play with your mental health where there are times where you want to scream out and it's not just getting your voice back, but if you did struggle to like, I'm, I'm just tired and I just don't know if I can go on. If you did face that, which I, I'm not projecting that onto you, what did you do to get through it? And if you didn't, then, then we can just pass through. I do have um, moments still with I I suppose the closest, you know, nowadays would be uh, with certain people that I know or certain family members who, you know, will definitely not listen when you're trying to make your opinion heard or you're trying to um, be like, hey, don't be racist, Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and there are it it is it is difficult still for me i'm i'm not going to lie you know where um especially when you're dealing with narcissistic people where you're like i know that nothing that i say 
is is going to change the way that you view things or the way that you feel about things. And that's that's one of the reasons why most people just cut them out of their lives because it's it's a lot easier uh, than to just hold things inside and just not feel like it's worth the fight. But I I still do that. And to some to some extent, I look at things and say that the relationship with that, that I have with certain people um, is more important than being right. But I'm still unclear as to where that healthy line is. It is hard to figure out, particularly when people are like important to you or have a role in your life where you're like, okay, there's some, there's some level of importance because of our relationship to each other or because of our past together that has meaning to me, but I haven't quite figured out, like that is a hard line to figure out. And at the end of the day, you're the only one that gets to step back and say, is this working for me or isn't it? And decide where the boundary line is for yourself through just constant re-examination. And you can like, just because you decide one thing today, I'm also hearing that it doesn't mean that that's your decision tomorrow and that it is like this healing process is a moving target. And in the same way that like things might come up that surprise you in your relationship with your husband and your healing process from your past, that there are still things that come up all the time in these personal relationships as well. That is just constantly requiring another look and another look. And is there some key things that you've learned to do or ways that you've learned, like learn to listen to yourself or that are there signals that you kind of have learned to take note of, of when it's time to reassess or when it's time to like head back in and see the therapist or when it's time to, um, employ a technique that you've learned that helps you get through a tough time. Like, is it like, how do you know when it's, how do you know when you need to reassess? I'm not even saying like everybody, like you, what, what are, what are some of the things that come up for you in that process? One thing that I have done is to step back from a situation. Um, if I'm, if I'm getting too emotionally involved or I feel like I'm uh, reverting back to childhood, like that is a huge um, warning flag and as well as uh, recovery time, you know, like if I if I see someone and I have a huge recovery time afterwards to get back to normal, whatever that means, um, <laughs> then then that that also is um, is is grounds for reassessment. Um, and whether that's you know maybe like do I want to spend time with somebody or do I want to uh, not, do I want to cut them out? Do I not want to, you know, like all these different questions because it, it is, it is all fluid. You know, it's not like a, it's not a black or white situation and everyone is on a different path and it can take them around in different ways and it can intersect with other people. And it just, you know, everyone's journey is different. But what I was going to say is uh, one, one of the techniques is um, if I find myself 
getting too invested in a negative situation, what I do is I actually imagine myself going from the front of my uh, brain to the back of my brain. And so I kind of almost visually give myself a distance between me and the situation so that I can say, okay, hold on. Am I acting like an adult right now? Uh, or am I, you know, or not like acting, but am I, am I being thrown back into childhood or am I, am I, am I uh, treating the situation in an adult manner? And that helps. It's like giving yourself the space mentally, the way that you were earlier describing giving yourself physical space. Like when I step back and had, I had like, is there extra recovery time? Like you've actually learned a technique to like create that space just in your own thinking. Which means you can do it anywhere that it's not something crazy. You don't have to drop like an insane amount of money to do it. Like that's just something you can do in the moment to be, not be reactive and be responsive and take the time to get to that like intentional responsive place just to be mindful of time. Cause we want to, we want to make sure we get everything in. If you could leave us all, leave the listeners and us with something to like do tomorrow or to remember, or like, you know, that just connects to resiliency or anything, what would that be? So either, you know, like either a tool or just a, a message or anything about the journey or about your experience, what would that be that you could leave us all with? I'd like to actually give you a portion from one of my other songs, just say, um, so it's actually a part of one of my songs uh, called We Keep Going. And this is a song that I actually wrote for somebody uh, who I was on, uh, I was messaging with who was considering committing suicide. And so I wrote the song really quick, recorded it, sent it to her. Um, she, she is okay. Um, I'm not sure if my song had anything to do with that, but you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just glad that she's okay. Um, so it's actually the end of my song, which is what if I was where you are now, if I ran, would you chase after me? Would you hold my hand? Would you make me see you'd take my hand and lead me through you'd be my friend. And I'd want you to wouldn't let me do what you're thinking of doing. Because we keep going. People like you and me keep going. It was perfect. It was. I think I love that you are, because like the biggest thing I want when, when Laura and I were creating this vision was just like, I want each episode to be like, whoever we're talking to, I want it to be them. Like I want it, you know, I don't want it to have, we have a structure, but we wanted it loose enough that it, and I just feel like you speaking exactly how you are and the, you know, the, the gifts and the way I've experienced you and stuff is just such a blessing to see and then to share with everyone listening, not just Laura, everyone listening. Thank you so much. And I, you know what? One thing that our listeners don't get is they don't get to see you uh, because it's an audio medium, but you are like you are such a fun person to look at. <laughs> oh, yay. Thank you. You are I... so colorful and there's so like personality is exuding from the screen right now. I wish you guys could all see her surrounded by her funky guitars and amazing sound equipment and cool room and awesome and rainbow sleeves. sweater. Her rainbow sleeves with cool patterns and 
amazingly awesome glasses and super cool hair. Like she's just so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. And if, if anyone does want to see me, um, I have a YouTube channel if I can plug it. Yeah. Hit us with it. So if you go to youtube.com slash Mary Hamer music and Hamer is like hammer, but one M so Mary Hamer music, um, and I pop up, that's me. And I have music and, uh, vlogs up there as well, both on mental health and other things. So do you also want to plug your Instagram and, and Twitch or anything real quick? Yeah. My Instagram and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook are all Mary Hamer music. Hamer, H-A-M-E-R. Uh, oh, I should do it in order, huh? Mary Hamer, Mary, M-A-R-Y, H-A-M-E-R, and then music. Katie and I have a quick game to play with you if you'll stick around. And then it's time to get out of here. Okay, so the game is, um, obviously, because the podcast is a set amount of time, it's not a long game, but it is just meant to bring us back into the the spirit and the element of play and being in the moment. So I'm going to name a color. You're going to have 30 seconds. You go find something with that color and you return. There's nothing else. It doesn't have to be like any, you know, like anything special, just whatever I say in that color you find. So I'm going to pick, (laughs) this is so hard when you're not in your own house. You realize I am wearing a rainbow sweater. I could just pick. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. know. Look at her sweater and pick a color. Uh, Yellow. Go. Boom, baby. Why doesn't anything in my space have yellow on it? This is terrible. I know. I'm dying. I found a yellow. Whoa. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Laura, you share. I'm back. You're so (sighs) mean. Why me first? Um, You're you're the example. I'm the example. Okay. So what I grabbed is I grabbed a calendar and the calendar has pages on it that have, that has the color yellow and, um, the cut, co- the page with the color yellow. So it's a calendar called badass women, 2021 calendar by us and we art. And so the, the page that I picked that has yellow on it, um, is the month of July featuring Marielle Franco, a force for justice in Rio de Janeiro, courageous voice against police brutality and true badass of the people. Marielle was arrested. Uh, I'm sorry. Marielle was assassinated by Brazil police in 2018. So, uh, now I know it's a about lot her person arrested, Laura. Yeah. Way worse than arrested. <laughs> uh, like now I know about her as a result of this game because I fast forwarded to July seeking yellow. And so she's still be in my heart as I fight for justice. Awesome. All right, Mary, you share yours. All right. Mine is this beautiful rainbow, but yellow in the center. It is a, um, what is that? Cup, cup, Coaster. Coaster. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> like cup protector. I don't know. Um, this is wonderful coaster. And it says punch today in the face. And this is by the artist Katie Abbey. Um, you can always look her up um, on Instagram. She is amazing. And out of the UK, I do believe. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Nice. Katie, what's yellow? Mine are these, I don't know if you can see them, but they're just little, the little sticky, like half-sized post-it notes. And this is my first, when I decided after, um, 
after Rick's suicide and then after some of my surgeries for having some of my organs removed, I, I think, Laura, you actually visited me in this hospital stay during this, but I had signed up and done this coaching program. Um, and it's one of, it's one of the only programs out there that I have like 100% respect for love for totally integrity built, built off of, uh, semantic like stuff, the seasons, trusting stuff like embodiment work. But this was my whole coaching manual um, with that program. And these, I I was in the hospital and had a bunch of organs removed. We didn't know what was going to go on with me and stuff. And we have the picture I have in the hospital bed is when I'm just like have wires and everything and holding this. And I put these on the pages so I could still get my coaching hours and coach enough. We had to do 200 hours of clients. And these are all the things where I like wasn't sure. And I had questions about, and I would call the woman who ran the company and she's like, heal, will you, will you stay in the hospital and just get better? And I was like, but on page, da, 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 I need help. So just it, it, the reason why I couldn't find anything yellow at first, but then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is exactly what Mary, Laura and I are standing for that. It's like, it is constantly a journey. Cause I was still, you know, like working on it and I'd gone to Costa Rica and I'd done all this stuff and mastered it. And then it was like, oh, I still need help on this. And I've never taken them out. Cause they're still parts that like now I'm either totally overcame and I'm just like, yes, I get it. Or there are things I, I definitely, the reason why I think I struggled at them was my own resistance to them and my own struggle within them. So I've kept these here just to always like check back in at my own personal growth. Yeah. Bam. Boom. Boom. Yeah, baby. It's time to get out of here after all that. With a Boston accent. <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here. So here's how we get out of here in this podcast is that we are going to share with each other. When we get out of here, we are getting out of here to a make-believe land of your choosing from a TV show, a book, a movie, a comic book, a, an imaginary place. The, you're going to an imaginary place, any place you want. and that's where we're, that's where we're getting out of here too. And it can, you know, so, so, so where are you getting out of here too, Mary? My first thought is that, uh, have you guys seen Hilda? Yes. <gasps> I love Hilda. It's such a, it's, it's a fantastic, uh, animated show and, um, and her world is full of trolls and, uh, you know, um, little sprites and deer foxes and all this cute stuff. And so I think we should go to the land of Trollsburg. You totally just spoke Flower's <laughs> language. <laughs> I want a deer fox and I want to have a conversation with the cloud. Yes. Although they seem rather ornery. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to ready to uh, hail at the drop of a hat. That's right. <laughs> oh man, um, I think I'm going to get out of here to um, whatever planet the child comes from in the Mandalorian. I, I recognize that Yoda as a as a grown Star Wars character is not necessarily cute, but man, that child is cute and. I kind of want to hang out. I mean, so that's where I'm going to go to is the world of, I want to, I would say the world of the Mandalorian or the world of stars, but I'm not necessarily looking for like Darth Vader and a death star kind of adventure. Like I kind of just want to like, I don't know, be the babysitter for all of the little baby, like Yoda type of critters. Cause I'll be their babysitter. Even though they'll all be like older than me, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I could take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, where, 
I don't even know what you're talking about with Star Wars. Um, I would pick also like you, not the show, but the character. I just want to hang out with Fozzie. <laughs> waka waka. Oh, yay. <laughs> I, I think that's like the vibe that I need right now. I think Fozzie and I, if we just sat on that swing in the backyard at my Airbnb, I think it would be amazing. He's like, he's my speed. He's my... I think we'd get each other. That's my soul brother, Fozzie the Bear. I, that's where I would go. We wouldn't even have to go anywhere. I'd just be like, let's have a picnic out front, Fozzie. And I just like, oh my God. And I would just laugh so hard and I could, I can like already know my stomach would hurt from laughing. Delicious, delicious. So I think we all know that where we're getting out of here too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. Mary. You're the best. Thank you. You're the best, both of you. Thank you so much for being here. We'll, we'll see you in our imaginary world. And on your website and on all your Twitter and your Facebook and everything like that. Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us that sweet five-star review. It helps people find us and makes our hearts ever so happy. You can follow me, Laura Ingalls, at LJ Ingalls on Instagram and Twitter. And me, Katie Lasky, at Katie Love Bomb on Instagram. Or follow the pod at Rad Resilient Pod on Instagram and Twitter and check us out on the web at RadicalResiliencePodcast.com. However you find us out there in this virtual world, know that we are so glad you're here. We love you and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>